Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, Magic and Alchemy is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kate Ballou, and my co-host, Kristen Lissenby. Hello and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kate Ballou. And I'm Kristen Lizenby. What's new, Kate? How is winter treating you? Well, Kristen, you know, it's um, the classic, the classic dark and difficult. And yet Mm -hmm. I'm here. I'm cozy. We're together. We're making magic. It's good to see you. And, you know, I'm just trying to like look forward to a few kind of, you know, bright moments. My 30th birthday on the 29th. Super excited about that. And and Aquarius season. And Mm -hmm. um, you and I are teaching together in February, which I'm like really excited about. So yeah, there's always, there's always a candle in the dark here. Um, Yeah, I'm going to add stormy to that list. Mm -hmm. Um, Dark, difficult, stormy, um, but also feeling really grateful for my wood pile and wood stove because we hang out on the daily right now. Um, I'm like forever adjusting to quote real winters, you know, because in California, uh, for most of the state, they don't exist. But here, most people go into full hibernation mode come November and don't really emerge until it's time to seed the gardens in spring. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's so nice to see your face. And like you said, magic is very much afoot. Even in winter, even when it's dark and we have to channel it through other means, stories, winter plants, and virtual gatherings with the witch web. I have to say, like a wood stove just sounds absolutely divine and also impossible in a Brooklyn apartment. I'm jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, listeners, Kristen and I will be teaching a series of workshops together in February, and we're really looking forward to it. So um, check this out if it calls to you. The classes will blend our love of myth and poisonous and potent plants, complete with rituals and spells and word witchery. So hopefully we'll see some of you over that virtual fire with us. Yeah, come play. And speaking of our wonderful listeners, what listener question did you choose for today? Yeah, so Anonymous reached out to us and they were wondering about creating their own rituals. Like, how do we do that? Any tips or tricks that we might have? So Kristen, what do you think? Well, I think it's been helpful for me to really like establish what a ritual is. And so I would recommend people first just try and decide what a ritual is to you and what feels most authentic. Does it involve following a series of specific steps and using an ancient script? Or can it be purely intuitive and include plants and stones and animals found in your backyard? Are you drawn to the cosmos or the mystical mycelial worlds beneath our feet? 
And then once you establish the avenues that speak to you and what energies you'd like to work with, just start small. If you don't already have one, get a journal or create a grimoire uh, and start recording the sigils, visualizations, words and elements as you incorporate them into your spell work. Meditate on these things, set intentions, be open to what is shared with you, and most importantly, do the ritual. Um, <laughs> there are so many wonderful yes. spell books out there, <laughs> new and old. Um, if the intuitive approach doesn't speak to you, people also share spells on social media. So I think using these as guides or loose blueprints to create your own can be really helpful in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I love all of that, especially the do the actual ritual. Like, yes, <laughs> it, it is surprising and not surprising that that is the thing that gets left out. But, mm-hmm. and I also just want to share, um, listeners, the Tamed Wild box is a really great way to get ritual inspiration. So, I write all of the rituals for the boxes. Um, Kristen passed on that torch last year. So both of us have spent some time um, doing this. And they just come with these beautifully curated selections of products by Shelby, the head witch in charge, and the team. And I think that working with these templates or inspiration from others is a really cool way to like feel out what feels right to you and and to get used to and familiar with like ritualizing different aspects of your life like especially if you're feeling uncertain or not sure what's kind of like thread to follow um but yeah to create a ritual is to create symbolic action and to move through the ritual to enact change or move energy or craft an intention and there's just so much possibility there Yeah, and I think it's just important to remind ourselves to not be scared to try. You know, they call it a magical practice for a reason. Um, It's something that we have to work at. And it can be messy at times, and it doesn't have to look like anything we see in books or on the internet or elsewhere. Those ideas can be stepping stones for us, or we can create our own Um, And if any listeners have thoughts on this or would like to share how they craft their rituals, let us know via email or DM. But on the subject of magic, today we are talking about the magically mysterious and spooky family, the Adams family. Yes, yes, yes. Kristen and I are big fans of the latest adaption, Netflix's Wednesday. So for a fun dive into magical pop culture, today we are discussing Adam's family history and the patron saint of outcasts, Wednesday Adams. Listeners be warned, if you haven't already seen it, Wednesday spoilers ahead. of Wednesday Adams, my mind immediately goes to the version of her we see in the 1993 movie, The Adams Family Values. This was my first introduction to the creepy, kooky, but also lovable family of misfits and outcasts. But as some of you may know, the Adams have been around for not quite, but nearly a century. Originally created as a series of single-panel cartoons that ran in The New Yorker beginning in 1938, the Adams were the brainchild of cartoonist Charles Adams, who wanted to depict a fictional family that challenged the traditional American way of life. 
even today, there's the concept of keeping up with the Joneses, where some of us might feel as if we have to compete or keep up with our neighbors in terms of wealth or status or success. But the Adams do not strive for societal acceptance or follow the norms. They forge their own path. And based on how happy Gomez and Morticia seem to be with one another, their children, and overall existence, perhaps this suggests that the keys to fulfillment and bliss and purpose lie not in the ordinary, but in the bizarre. The Adams family may have gotten their start in print, but they found their way into television in 1964 with a sitcom depicting Gomez, Morticia, their children, Wednesday and Pugsley, Gomez's mother, a crafty, witchy crone character known as Grandmama, Uncle Fester, Lurch, the giant butler, a helpful companion who takes the form of a hand, famously known as Thing. There's also Cousin It, who, as far as we know, is a being with floor-length hair, who wears a bowler hat, sunglasses, and speaks in a language only the Adams can understand. The black-and-white sitcom aired for two seasons for a total of 64 episodes, and like the newest adaptation of the Adams franchise, Netflix's Wednesday, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, much of the plot in the original 60s sitcom centers around clashes between the Adams and the more conservative members of the community. I began watching reruns of this show for the very first time when Kate and I decided to do an episode dedicated to Wednesday. And even though this sitcom is dated in some ways, as we would expect, in other ways, I feel like the Adams were so far ahead of their time. I still really need to spend some time with the 1964 version. Yes, it's so sweet. Um, I think you're going to love it. Like Little Wednesday is so adorable in these episodes. And so when Wednesday, the latest installment, arrived this past November on Netflix, I had high expectations. Since then, I've heard so many critiques, both positive and negative, but as you and I have both said, Kate, we loved it. We had a great time watching it, and it also felt really timely. Unlike the comic, sitcom, and movie adaptations that focus more on the family as a whole, the latest tells a story through the lens of the teenager and aspiring novelist, Wednesday. In true Wednesday fashion, this character doesn't shy away from confrontation. She points out the splintering foundation of Western, quote, progress by highlighting the harm inflicted on indigenous communities through colonialism. She also touches on the horror of the witch hunts. For those who have seen the 90s movie Adam's Family Values, these inclusions might remind us of when Wednesday, forced to be Pocahontas in a play at Camp Chippewa summer camp, goes off script and tells the true history of Thanksgiving. And with the help of her band of misfits, Wednesday acts out an alternate story in front of visiting parents and horrified camp counselors where the pilgrims are punished for their crimes. It is such an iconic moment. It is. If um, any listeners out there haven't seen this movie, like I could not recommend it enough. Um, I definitely watched that again last night. Yeah, (laughs) definitely a favorite. 
And when I was uh, doing research for this episode, I found an article in Smithsonian Magazine where Stephen Cox, uh, an author specializing in books on pop culture, said that part of what draws people to the Adams family is their inclusion of adult themes and real life scenarios. He was speaking about the 60s sitcom, but I think the same could be said about the newer adaptations. Uncomfortable as some subjects can be to talk about, Cox says that their inclusion creates an intellectual charge that was and is still missing from much of mainstream media. I would also suggest that these inclusions make the atoms seem more sophisticated and more worldly, more compassionate than the so-called normies and the rest of the community who chooses to romanticize these historical horrors. But while the Adams, specifically Wednesday, never fail to say things as she sees them and deliver hard truths, she is also very much engaged with the supernatural world. Wednesday is descended from witches, not only through her mother's lineage, which we see in the 60s sitcom with Morticia caring for her beloved poisonous plants, but also through her father's side. Wednesday's paternal grandmama is often seen brewing potions and gazing into her crystal ball. And in the 2022 adaptation, we meet her deceased ancestor and accused witch, Goody Adams, in one of Wednesday's visions. Like her mother, grandmother, and ancestors, Wednesday is a gifted psychic. She's a witch, even if she doesn't label herself as such. She has a severed hand as a sidekick and goes to a boarding school full of gorgons, sirens, vampires, and other mystical beings. She is no stranger to the supernatural. While I do not want to give away too many spoilers for those who have yet to watch, I will say that Wednesday, through interacting with magical worlds and earthly realities, logical reasoning and open-mindedness to whatever knocks at her door has once again reminded us that we need not conform to make our mark in the world. We don't have to choose to be this or that. We can be all of it and more. As the patroness of weirdos, witches, and outcasts, Wednesday imparts that even amongst chaos and crowds and illusion, we must never lose sight of ourselves. The irony is not lost on me either. The fact that we are praising Wednesday, comparing her to a saint, when she says things like, I enjoy funerals. I've been crashing them since I was old enough to read the obituary section. And I haven't always been against birthdays. Each one reminds me I'm a year closer to death's cold embrace. Or from the 90s film when talking to brother Pugsley about their newborn sibling, Everyone knows it. When you have a new baby, one of the other children has to die. Another memorable line is when Morticia explains that Wednesday's at that very special age when a girl only has one thing on her mind. Someone innocently guesses, boys? Wednesday replies, homicide. Obviously, this is satire and the campiness is part of the Adam's appeal, but it also highlights something we've been hearing since childhood, to not judge a book by its cover, for rarely is anything as it appears from first glance. But also, maybe Wednesday was born this way. Along with the arrival of Netflix's Wednesday came a slew of articles dedicated to Adam's family history and Easter eggs connecting the different adaptations. 
One such article that I really liked highlighted the inspiration for Wednesday's name, a nursery rhyme from the 1800s called Monday's Child. In the first episode of Wednesday, Morticia tells Principal Weems that her daughter's name was inspired by her favorite nursery rhyme. The full nursery rhyme goes like this. Monday's child is fair of face. Tuesday's child is full of grace. Wednesday's child is full of woe. Thursday's child has far to go. Friday's child is lovable and giving. Saturday's child works hard for a living. And the child born on the Sabbath day is bonny and blithe, good and gay. Mm-hmm. You know, this really strikes me, Kristen. Uh, it's like a little bit of planetary magic in this rhyme, right? Like, and now it has me thinking about Wednesday and a relationship to maybe Mercury, Mercury's day. Oh, that's really interesting. I never really thought of that, but I could definitely see Wednesday and Mercury being friends. Mm-hmm. Might have to explore that yeah. further a little later. Um, but from an article titled Meet Wednesday Adams, the wide-eyed teen everyone loves right now by Rachel Ulatowski. She mentions how Wednesday breaking the record for the most watched series on Netflix in one week proves that this character needed her own series. She says that Wednesday, quote, goes against the mold of what women are expected to be with her taste for the macabre, abhorrence of emotion and streak of independence. Wednesday is a true gothic heroine for the ages, end quote. It goes on to say that over the years, Wednesday Adams has been played by seven different actresses, all of whom offered their unique flair to this character. But it was Christina Ricci who transformed Wednesday into the goth icon we know today. Rachel says we have Christina Ricci to thank for Wednesday's deadpan tone, sense of injustice, and loyalty to her family while still making her fundamentally morbid and unemotive. And I have to pause us there on Christina Ricci because shout out to her character in the new iteration of Wednesday as well. I know. I loved it. I was so happy to see her. Me too. <laughs> and, and I know, Kate, you and I were kind of like laughing slash crying um, because some of the younger generation watching Wednesday and kind of like meeting the Adams for the first time, um, they haven't seen the 90s film. And so they mm-hmm. didn't make the connection uh, when Christina Ricci appeared on screen in this latest adaptation Uh, Whereas I was so excited to see her because like the article says, goth icon. We're old. (laughs) (laughs) And drawing from Christina Ricci's interpretation, Chloe Grace Moretz, who lent her voice to the 2019 animated The Addams Family and its sequel, also expanded Wednesday's genius by making her a little older and more questioning of her family's values. The article concludes by saying, quote, Meanwhile, Ortega, the most recent incarnation of Wednesday, made her a fully complex, layered individual, taking elements of each of the prior interpretations of the character, while adding her own elements, such as family estrangement, rebellion, and hints of emotion. When we 
you spoke about doing this episode, Kristen, you called Wednesday Adams the patron saint of outcasts, and this stuck out to me and has stayed with me since we parted ways to research and now share our findings. Um, as if with a saint candle, I imagined myself much younger coming into the 1990s Adams family for the first time. As a child, I was often called Wednesday because I had a similar look and would sometimes wear my hair in braids. And I like to think that it was because I've always been a bit spooky too. But beyond my kinship with her looks, I always knew that this character offered something to us younger weirdos. And so what does it mean to be a patron saint? A patron saint is a saint to whose protection and intercession is a person, a society, a church, or a place dedicated. The choice is often made on the basis of some real or presumed relationship with the persons or places involved. And so if, like you said, Wednesday's child is full of woe. I feel as if those of us who knew this depth of emotion or strangeness itself found a saint in this fearless icon. Wednesday is a woman on the fringe, on the precipice of adulthood, yet she is serenely aware of the world around her. She is perceptive and also honest, but keeps to herself. Definitely an introvert. Definitely. And when I think about Wednesday Adams, I think of her not only as the goth or witchy icon, but also as a queer icon. And of course, there is the obvious intersection of witchcraft and queerness, and to me, in many ways, share a definition and are woven together. Elise Schuster, co-founder and executive director of OK So, defines queerness for Cosmopolitan magazine by saying, quote, For many people who use the term queer, it is specifically about embracing this idea of being out of mainstream ideas and embracing one's own authentic self. In general, queerness is an umbrella term that is both an orientation and a community for those on the LBGTQIA plus spectrum. And so as a potential witch and as a member of the Adams family who challenges the American depiction of the family, Young Wednesday rises to this liminal land as a character remembered across generations. Out Magazine published a survey of stars from RuPaul's Drag Race sharing why Wednesday Adams is a queer icon. Crystal Method shared, quote, Wednesday Adams is a queer icon because at her core, she revels in being an outsider. As part of the Adams, she lives apart from the mainstream culture. Instead of being shamed by the differences between her family's way of life and that of society at large, she embraces what makes her different. She stands up for marginalized groups and faces bullies with an unflinching calm that any queer would be proud to emulate. End quote. And Mo Hart said, Wednesday had the best resting bitch face for the best 25 years. <laughs> Agreed. Love it. It's impressive. <laughs> then Magazine spoke about fans' responses to the show and the when Claire hashtag that's been trending on TikTok saying, quote, Although the bubbly, colorful, dressed Enid is Wednesday's polar opposite in more ways than one, one of the best parts of the show is watching their unlikely bond grow in the face of murder mysteries and bug-eyed monsters. You know, typical high school stuff. 
It's the perfect opportunity for a queer opposites to lovers storyline perfectly befitting Wednesday, who's historically found Boy's interest in her to be pitiable at best. Fans quickly began shipping Wednesday and Enid on TikTok and even gave them a couple's name, One Claire. The duo's ship name so far has racked up over 417 million views on the app in the first five days after the show premiered. End quote. So I'm sure that's at a much higher number now as we're recording this. Um, and like we've mentioned in the newest iteration, Adams is played by Jenna Ortega, who also sees Wednesday as this queer icon. According to Pride, the publication spoke to Jenna at a press event and she said, quote, in a perfect world, we would have been a thing, end quote. And in an interview with Gaiety, she addressed Wednesday's queerness by saying, quote, I think because she's a badass, she's cool, she's got a nice sense of style, but she's somebody who really embraces her differences and isn't out to please anybody. Ortega said, quote, I feel like that's a really, really powerful thing to see. I feel like people want to see powerful women with powerful women, end quote. And of course, there's always a flip side to a coin, as described in Jezebel, writing, quote, I'd also encourage people to see Enid and Wednesday as having a friendship where they actually talk about their problems, apologize, grow, and evolve. And maybe that does mean one or both of them will be queer, but having any kind of healthy adjacent relationship where she thinks about another person's feelings is a massive step forward for Wednesday's titular girl. Sadly, being a gay icon is not the same as being gay. It just makes you beloved by the gay people, parentheses men, who dictate a lot of gay culture. Something I always struggle with as a queer consumer of culture, both professionally and just as a girl sitting on my couch, is grasping for queerness. It's so boring to be begging for straight characters to be gay, especially in a show about and for teens. Young people are still figuring themselves out, even if they are outcasts. End quote. And all discussions aside, Wednesday's iconic goth girl, deadpan, witchy character offers something to the weirdos, the witches, and the spooky children, perhaps called old for their age instead of downright strange. She is the patron saint of outcasts, and one of her signature moves, one that I return to again and again, happens to appear on the dance floor. Watchers of the show flocked to Twitter where they discussed the dance moves that we saw in episode 4 titled Whoa, What a Night. Described this as the moment that Jenna Ortega became Wednesday Adams embodied. In this episode, the students of Nevermore Academy attend the annual rave and dance, with Wednesday reluctantly attending with Tyler. Then, when Goo Goo Muck by the Cramps begins playing, Wednesday takes to the dance floor, and it's then that she shows off her quintessential Wednesday Adams dance moves. In an interview with Netflix, Jenna said, quote, I actually felt really insecure about this. I choreographed that myself, and I think it's very obvious that I'm not a dancer or choreographer, end quote. Speaking about what inspired Wednesday's dance moves, Jenna tweeted that Susie Sue, Bob Fosse's Rich Man's Frog, Lisa Loring, Lean Lovich, Dennis Levant, and archival footage of goths dancing in clubs in the 80s helped inspire this dance moment for her. And so Wednesday is both outcast and now TikTok challenge, and we love to see it, including Lady Gaga's take on this iconic dance. 
the more weirdos, the better, led by the fearless and strange Wednesday, making and sharing their own strangeness with friends on the internet warms this witch's heart. And before we say goodbye for today, Kristen, I'd love to share a quote from Charles Adams himself about his character, Wednesday. Quote, Child of woe is wan and delicate, sensitive and on the quiet side. She loves the picnics and outings to the underground caverns. A solemn child, prim in dress and on the lot, pretty lost, secretive and imaginative, poetic, seems underprivileged and given to occasional tantrums, has six toes on one foot. End quote. Until next time, spooky ooky friends. Thank you so much for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kristen Lizenby and Kate Ballou. You can find us online at Easton Alchemy and at K8Ballou. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at Tamed Wild or on the blog tamedwild.com. Tune into next week's episode for another magical conversation. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mote it be or something better. Until next time. <laughs>